Started? Okay. So, uh, welcome everyone to episode four of the FD Investment Podcast. Uh, I'm Sarkis. I'm joined today again by my co- uh, my co-hosts, um, Peter and Michael. Uh, say hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Um, so today, uh, we're actually continuing uh, some of the wines we had last time. We're, uh, we're continuing with the, the Stella, Ro- uh, Stella Rosa Peach. Uh, peach. Um, no cheese today. Our cheese today was uh, was uh, sushi. Uh, we went out to, uh, went out to eat beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very full. <laughs> very very full. Oh yeah. Um, that yeah. rest that sushi was a solid C. I mean the quality I thought was pretty good, but the service and yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly that was question. probably the worst service I've had <laughs> to that to <laughs> that location uh, to that restaurant because other times we went and I had better service. I don't know why. I'm, I'm shocked, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, everything was kind of good at first, but it uh, slowly went downhill. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, at uh. least the food was okay. Uh. I didn't mind the food too much. Uh, quality was still decent, but it was just it was just way worse. Uh, hey, this, wine, this wine's way better. Oh, right, yeah, this wine's... Uh, yeah, uh, so this week's... Fruit juice. This week's mm. cheese, not so good. This week's wine, delicious. Delicious, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's chilled, which is really goddamn nice. Yes. <laughs> so, um, now it is July twenty fifth, uh, just for uh, t- uh, twenty nineteen for context. Um, all right, guys, I think we should just kind of jump into it, right? What a week it's been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just given our conversations we've had in our in our chat, I mean, it, it just goes to show how much has happened since our last podcast. A lot of different changes. Today alone, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. So I actually want to discuss something. It's not really anything that happened. It's more something where like people came out and admitted something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is about what I discussed previously. Is that uh, uh, do you recall AMD's price cuts just before Nvidia? Um, also, or just after Nvidia also did their price cuts and then they launched their graphic card lineup and it was like this like super competitive thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the CEO of AMD, along with a lot of other uh, AMD execs, openly admitted to this being a marketing ploy and a trap for NVIDIA, and oh. that they fell right into their scheme. And I just thought it was really interesting because they... They, they openly admitted this? They openly admitted oh. that this was a trap for NVIDIA. Yeah. And I thought that was oh. amazing. I laughed when I first started seeing these articles popping up everywhere saying that the execs openly admitted to this kind of uh it's not even scheming or behavior it's just like fair competition but it's like a really clever kind of uh you think you're better than me and then they step right up to the point and say yeah i think i'm better than you and they're like well you're not and you you know suck a punch him right in the face i don't know i don't know there's just a the chain of events and everything went supposedly exactly as planned and i thought it was hilarious i'm i'm now waiting for uh AMD's uh, Q2 uh, revenue report to... Uh, I- I'm expecting great things here. Uh, I, I, I hope so. I, I hope so. Because, I mean, uh, obviously AMD went through the effort and the the time and the money to uh, really bring this into fruition. And uh, it's good to see that competition is taking place between uh, two companies, especially in what is a huge cornerstone sector in the market. Because, I mean, you know, everyone has PCs, everyone's got computers, everyone's going to need these chips. 
So these suppliers are, you know, their their market is going to keep growing and growing and growing. So I, I'm I'm with you. I hope those those quarterly reports come in positive. I hope they beat their EPS. Um, I mean, EPS is obviously isn't anything, but it's definitely a start when you're trying to prove that your company's successful. So. I mean, yeah, I hope I hope if AMD openly said this was a trap, I hope their money is where their mouth is and their reports come out way better than NVIDIA's. And if it does, I say kudos to them. They, they kicked NVIDIA's ass and well-deserved. Yeah, dude, I, I've really enjoyed, like, the, the battling news. It's just kind of, the tech world, there's nothing ever really, like, stupid exciting. Like, right. like yeah, a new tech comes mm-hmm. out and you hear some cool stuff. You know, people, companies try new sorts of shit all the time. That's what the tech industry is. It's all R&D, you know. Right. But, but just seeing, like, companies battle it out and duke it out finally and, like, literally just trash each other and over and over again, finally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that, that's big stuff right there. I mean, especially in a super growing market, like, competition. I'm surprised we're even seeing, like, this hardcore competition because there's only so much market share out there that's capturable. Yeah. And it's still growing. So, like, I mean, these companies are going to continue to battle until something somehow replaces it but i don't see that anytime in the foreseeable future i mean not yet not yet yeah yeah i agree it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting yeah the next couple of years in computer technology this is gonna be an interesting battle we've seen a lot of like uh, on the consumer side a lot of improvements and a lot of different things that have struggled to come to computing from before like oh yeah like the fact that storage on computers has become so significantly cheap compared to what it was in the past yeah. that yeah. it's actually cheaper to buy, say, for instance, uh, 120 gigabyte um, uh, flash, stro- uh, flash storage solid state drive for your computer than it is to buy, say, like the cheapest uh, mechanical hard drive on the market. Mm. And, you know, yeah. all, all this tech that's becoming like cheaper and faster and more readily available and kind of. It's pretty interesting, and that's not just like talking about AMD. So this is actually a good segue into uh, the next thing, which was uh, Apple's uh, acquisition of Intel. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah just uh, today. A- Apple's oh acquisition of Intel's well, uh, well, modem. It's, a, it's, chip not, it's not an acquisition. It's it's an incredibly high bid on a portion of the ownership. Um, but what's speculated mm. is that this this one billion dollar bid is going to soon turn into an oh, acquisition. Oh no, it's not a bid. It's confirmed. Well, no, no, that's why. I'm, so they're they're buying a portion of equity. They're not buying the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But they're at, but they're acquiring the modem section of Intel. Are so they're, they're not, but they're the not buying Intel. No, no, no I, they're I, acquiring, I get that. They're, they're acquiring, acquiring Intel's the modem, sector. modem sector. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, then, then I must have misread that. Interesting. Let me uh, let, let me pull this up right now. Apple acquires Intel modem. Yeah. Okay. Um, Intel's 5G smartphone modem business for $1 billion. Uh, oh, so it was acquired. Oh, this was six hours ago. Okay, so this was way after the news that I was sending you guys. Yeah, because um, cause when I was first reading it, it was a bid. So I wasn't sure if it was going to go through, but wow, it, it yeah, went through in one day. Yeah. That's pretty quick. So they don't have to develop their own 5G stuff anymore, which, you know, in all fairness, they said that they've been developing 5G for quite some time now. But there's a lot of people also saying that they're late to the 5G game, especially in, you know, iPhone not having anything 5G out yet, e- even though it's their, their flagship phone. They don't plan on coming out with anything until late next year for 5G. The fact that they're just acquiring it now. Yeah, but what's Intel going to do? What are they going to sell to? 
Are the, is that it for Intel with the the, the uh, modem business? Yeah, that's um. See, because because I was under the so so per our conversation earlier today, I was under the impression that the bid was going on. Intel still had partial ownership on the department. It was going to be more of like an like a partial equity, but with a full blown acquisition like this, it, I I honestly in, Intel has lost a lot. Now, bear in mind, they got a $1 billion cash infusion. Yeah. So, even though they lost... See, but that's the thing. You're you're trading cash infusion for cash flow. I will say this, though. That's that's rough. Over the last year, Intel's quite largest sector... Oh, I think quite largest sector of their business is the CPU game. And they've struggled to fully develop their 10 nanometer and 14 nanometer chip production which is why they fell behind so much and they had so, so many this issues. This 1 billion this infusion might be, could be for the R&D department. Might be a solution years. for them to make up for the issues they've had over the last year to finally fix production and finally get back on track. Well it's one of those things you know you, you study in business the concept of differentiation low cost and achieving that cornerstone of efficiency right. Um the problem with that is they have this cash infusion. Intel was still generating positive cash flow, which could have easily been reinvested to reforge, restructure, and get the gears moving again. But my problem is, is when you sacrifice positive cash flow to try to bolster what's already not working, it's a risk. Yeah, it's right. A huge the, risk. the modem, the modem market. I, I personally don't know too much about it, but I can one can only assume, stating what you showed me on. Uh, Eric's motherboard. Yeah. Right. I can only assume that those chips were valuable, held research uh, patents and licenses that could go a long way, and gave them a chance to diversify out of a market that they're not doing very well in. Most typical PC motherboards that you ha- uh, that you see in the U.S. consumer market yeah. have some form of Wi-Fi already built in. Yeah. Most of the time, it's typically some Intel modem chip. And uh, on that motherboard, actually, it's the new 802.11ax standard, which is called Wi-Fi 6, and uh, it's pretty damn fast. But like, if Apple's taking over this entire sector, it's no longer going to be Intel soon. It's going to yeah. be someone else. And and that's pretty scary because, I mean, Intel, like you said, is already having difficulties in the CPU market. Assuming that they somehow pull off. A restructure and rebranding and remarketing of their chips after they can fix the fallback with the one billion dollar infusion they still lost a hefty chunk of what could be future tech and well, future market growth so get this that's, that's a big loss they're losing yeah. on cash flow but after hours their company's valuation in the stock market increased by almost six percent well of course it did it's because they're they're liquidable assets literally like quadrupled yeah like you you got a shit ton out of it and keep also bear in mind, Apple still pays a premium. So that one billion dollar was to acquire plus more. So their stock price would go up, but I would also gamble if we look at long term value, Intel might see a foreseeable decrease. I don't think it's going to be a depression or anything major, but it's going to be a very gradual dip over time. And the only reason I say that is because if they have to restructure their CPU market, there's going to be disruptions in the business process change. So if you have disruptions going on already in a sector that you're struggling in, that's just more fuel to a fire that's already burning under your butt. And the problem is, is that at some point, you're going to have to reach for a pail of water and put it out. And in this case, Intel's hoping that the restructuring and the fixes will create that pail of water for them. 
And whereas if they kept the modem, the the modem department and the whole industry chain there, they would at least have a positive cash flow to make up for some foreseeable losses while restructuring. The only difference would be is the lack of capital to restructure. But right. but again, this just brings the question: What was Intel doing if the market was not doing well? Why were they not? Why were they not already in the process of restructuring? Well, why did it have to come to this? You know, this was a big, big buy. This is a big buy. Big buy. So yeah. From Apple's buy. side, they're looking to essentially create their own path into the 5G era of, of iPhones and yeah. uh, mobile computing in general. And they're pretty much looking to uh, reduce dependence on uh, third-party vendors and partners by creating their own chips and components. Vertical so, integration. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they do the same thing with their uh, A5 processors. They build everything. They do all their own PCBs and stuff. So, you know, they, they might as well continue and do everything else in-house. You yeah. Know? That's smart. It's cheaper. And, uh, I mean, a billion dollars, though, That's they, they have the cash sitting around. They can do it. That's a pretty smart move on Apple's behalf. But yeah. as far as consumers go, that's going to hurt. You're not going to see the Intel modems in your computers and phones and stuff anymore. Um, you're going to see someone else, and it's going to be more costly. Because yeah. whereas Intel would license everything to everybody, Apple doesn't license anything to anybody. So, You know, and but this also brings to question, you know, we're, you mentioned uh, Qualcomm when we were talking earlier about this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th this could be a big opening for them in the market. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I think what's also kind of unfortunate is Apple's exclusivity is going to heavily damage that sector. Heavily damage. If they, and this is the thing, this is speculation, but this is if they continue their current business practice in the modem industry. In the I don't market. see any reason why they would change their business practices. For them, this is a huge plus. It, it is. Disrupting the entire market for everyone else just creates chaos, and it's, it's best for them. It does, but remember, every industry and every market's different in correlation. So I think what would have to be done is Apple's really going to have to take a hard look at this, which I'm assuming they did if they acquired it. I mean, no one's going to just throw a billion dollars to pick something up what without do really doing research. What do you mean? But... In, in hopes I got a that they billion did. dollars right here. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what <laughs> Apple did. They had billion dollars sitting on the desk, and they're like, you know what? We gotta, we gotta do something with this. But, um, but I would assume that they did their research. I would assume that they understand that that market is heavily created upon Qualcomm and Intel's growth of patenting the license out, creating partnerships, and helping other consumers obtain their products, rather than go the exclusive route. Because the exclusive route worked for Apple because, you know, the iPhone used to be super innovative, super classy, super cool, and they had differentiation on their side. Yeah. While achieving low-cost production, which is the ideal, the goal yeah. of, of business is to achieve both. And then Apple, of course, the differentiation slowly went down and down and down to the point where now they're just low-cost, but they're manufacturing very simple phones, to be very honest, comparatively to that of their competitors. Even Huawei produce more complicated or in, in the terms of complicated more functionality phones than Apple does. I wouldn't call it simple because none of those phones are very simple but uh, there's uh, there hasn't really been much innovation. Innovation has been kind of stagnant. Um, company like so out like for instance the notch. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, openly uh, I openly hate and despise the notch with all my being <laughs> uh, because it's a giant, ugly cutout in your screen that just takes away precious real estate and destroys the solid looks of a good-looking screen, and uh, I just hate it. And That's instead true. of innovating, so 
everyone for some reason manufacturers are racing to have the mo the largest screen to body ratio and i have no idea why this was a thing or still is but they're trying to get bezel-less phones to make it uncomfortable to hold hmm. and then they're trying to and then companies like apple go ahead and just use the corners of the phone to put in some, some extra screen and uh, you end up getting screwed on that little notch because it looks ugly and stupid because they're trying to house some sensors in there. You have other companies like um, uh, Oppo came out with uh, the world's first under-screen camera in their phone. And that's amazing. Of this. Yeah, it's yeah. a really clever technology where you can basically make an OLED screen um, mm. where the OLED screen itself is clear and you stick a camera under the clear OLED screen and then whenever you want to take a photo it just turns off that part of the screen. And that part of the screen is a little bit different from the rest of the screen because it has slightly different glass with different glare and so it has it's not perfect but it's 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 innovation. It's a path in the right direction. It's 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 something new. It's it's yeah. uh, you know, you're not renovating, you're not changing or fixing, you're creating. And uh, that's ultimately, you know, the kind of stuff. There were manufacturers that started, uh, went back to the old school designs of flip phones where they started having cameras that would flip over. Or like um, a sliding phones where you slide the back side up and a camera slides out from the back. Right. And that way they can get the all screen phone, which everyone wants, without creating this stupid little notch, you know. They're trying yeah. to come up with these clever designs and Apple was just like, eh, <laughs> don't bother. Just uh, add a notch. And this has been, well, I mean, it's been over a year that this has been a trend, but, like, they it lacks innovation. Nothing has changed. I mean, it's the yeah. idea of brand loyalty. I mean, yeah. You know, if, if you're Apple, I mean, you've met Apple people. I mean, when, when you tell them all the reasons why Apple might not be great or, you know, oh, yeah, I see the new phone, but, you know, I don't know, there's some other phones in the market that are cheaper but can do a little more or have better features, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, it's Apple. Like, I like using Apple. That's it. Or, or Bitmoji, like, they, they have that. Well, it's also the ecosystem that Apple has built in a lot of their uh, products. Yeah. So things like uh, iMessages. We last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think yeah, we did. Yeah. The iMessages, for example, is a great ecosystem where you can access it through um, your computer, you can access it through your uh, iPad or yeah. what have you. Um, and you can also send uh, larger file formats as well through that. Yeah. So uh, unlike regular text messages, like I can't text you Android to Android like a large video file typically. Right. Uh, you can easily do that with Apple with, uh, with the iPhone. That's true. Um, That's and true. once you get once you get people accustomed and used to uh, to these um, ecosystem, it it becomes a lot harder for them to switch. Um, mm -hmm. And then for them to kind of also go through the learning curve of Android, which Android is a little bit harder, admittedly, to um, get used to the interface and learn all the quirks right. uh, than Apple. Um, and then add on to that, uh, there's a lot of people who aren't as technologically proficient, like, what's, uh, for example, my parents. Right. Um, a lot of people's parents in the older generation aren't as accustomed. Apple is really good for those customers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons why Apple is really good at retaining their customer base. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, that's kind of what most retail outlets and um, suppliers strive to do is to get that really high brand loyalty or brand even brand recognition. Just because, you know, word of mouth and, and carrying around the products, it means a lot. You know, it's free marketing at that point. You know, you don't have to invest as much into your uh, marketing department. Um so there's actually I, I just saw this news 
Um, this is actually kind of interesting. Uh, I know you kind of deal with Charles uh, Charles Schwab. Uh, so apparently Charles Schwab uh, just acquired um, uh, assets of uh, US uh, USAA, uh, their investment management company. So the the investment branch of USAA. USAA. Yeah, Charles Schwab apparently acquired it. Oh dang! I want um hmm. We were just talking earlier yeah, about Charles that. Schwab yeah. is a public company. Right, you can you can invest in uh, like Charles Schwab holding accounts and uh, private equity funds. Um, One point eight billion in cash. What was uh, what was their intent with that acquisition? Um, looking at it right now, actually. Um, I was just thinking off the top of my head, oh. it's a it's a different sector of the investment demographic. Are they that, just that trying to think... expand and diversify, or like? That's what Apparently, I was saying. it's an addition of one million accounts and about ninety billion in assets. That makes um, sense. All military affiliates and their dependents. So, yeah, I mean, that's a different demographic and a lot of assets of people. They, they acquired what exactly? A sector of USA or all? Of the uh, USA no, is a sec- uh, management company. So the investment management sector of USA, USA is now owned by Charles Schwab. Wow. I mean, yeah. that, that's a pretty big buy. I mean, again, uh, you know, Charles Schwab, I think, is more or less known for their hedge funds, working with private equity, and yeah. building wealth for mm-hmm. uh, those who have quite a bit of money who can invest in the fund. Yeah. But seeing them diversify like this, A, I, I don't know if they even needed to, to diversify, but, you know, in the realms of finance and business, there's no such thing as doing too much, right? Uh, well, until you monopolize, but you just hope you don't don't break that boundary. Well, but but even then, I'm um, pretty sure everyone's broken that boundary, uh, and the government has stopped caring. Well, I mean, waste management's an example of that. But but uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually, where all the monopolies get broken up. But right now, yeah. the government doesn't give a fuck about people <laughs> monopolizing anything. I yeah, with certain things. I mean, there there was the monopolization case that happened last year regarding um, uh, the name is escaping me, but um, they got in trouble for almost monopolizing. What? Fuck, I can't remember the name of the company. Shit. Well, which was this recently? It was or? last year. It was a monopolization case. I, Someone was on the border of it. I remember uh, an instance where I, I think, think it was uh, Disney. Disney? I think I, it was Disney. Disney was trying to acquire oh, something. Oh, uh, Fox. Was it? Uh, no, because that Fox? went. No, they've already acquired Fox. They, that went through. No, yeah. but the, uh, I know that was. Uh, was there an be, instance uh, where Sp- I think Sprint was trying to acquire T-Mobile? And, oh and uh, oh and they didn't yes. let that pass because of monopolization. Yeah, I think that might have been it. There was like it was like couple billion, or it was like more than couple billion. It was it was a huge acquisition going to go down. Yeah, well, because last year there was like three or four accounts of the SEC stepping in because of possible monopolization or uh, you know insider trading. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I digress uh, with the monopolization. Um, for Charles Schwab to acquire USA like this, um, all those accounts that they get, now they're introducing a whole new section of the market, a new demographic that they can appeal to, which would be uh, military um, families, their dependents, and any type of banking investment services that they provide. Um, so, I mean, good on Charles Schwab. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a smart move, I think. You know, diversify. Get out there and get more capital. Get more money for those funds and investments. You know? Uh, actually, I looked up just now uh, the acquisition between Sprint and uh, T-Mobile, and something different popped up. 
says that the cable service provider Dish Network oh, Dish. Yeah, agreed right. to buy assets to help close uh, T-Mobile's and Sprint's merger. Dish is supposed to acquire assets for around $5 billion, paying $1.5 billion for Sprint's prepaid mobile brand, uh, Boost, and $3.5 billion to T-Mobile's Spectrum licenses. Uh, the company is set to pay $6 billion for the assets. Wow, this is this is recent too. This is uh, yesterday. This article. Wow, that's news to me. I haven't I hadn't seen anything like this. Yeah, I, I didn't. So, well, I mean, it can't be right now because I mean, what's it? T-Mobile owns Sprint, I believe, right now. No. Yeah. They're separate companies. No, no, no. They had a merger. Yeah, that didn't go through. No, no, no. I believe it's I believe it's through now. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah, the T-Mobile and Sprint merger. I think T-Mobile was the the captor. Because the SEC prevented that from happening. I, I remember there being like a lot of issues with Monopoly and there there was a lot of issues, but I remember it. Um, I remember that it did inevitably go through, and that there was a full acquisition. Unless I'm remembering it wrong, it may be a different company. I remember hearing complaints about horizontal integration, and it, it couldn't happen because the businesses were literally too big to merge. I mean, maybe, that makes sense. Maybe, um, I don't know. Maybe something else happened. That's that's crazy, actually. That's insane. Well, what would, I mean, I guess they're, it does kind of make sense because it's part of their, they have uh, lots of, uh, shit, why is the, the name? Skipping me. What assets? No. Um. Uh. The, the tech. Dish. Basically, Dish is a satellite company. They you right. they need uh, the network. They yeah. need to you know that all it's all the same tech whether it's spread to a TV or a phone. Yeah. It's mostly the same technology. Yeah. Right. For, for Dish, that's a pretty solid buy, but that's all. That's six billion right there. Holy shit. You know, before I forget, there was one thing that. I definitely want to talk about which I was sending in the in the chat earlier today, which was Dunkin' Donuts is now doing a partnership with Beyond Meat. Yeah. Oh man. And boy, oh boy, like like I've been saying since we first been talking about BYND, they're gonna keep winning because of these partnerships. No matter what, they're yeah. going to keep winning. So it's it's a it's a huge. rolling stone or snowball that's just gonna get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And even yeah. when competitors come in. BYND has the cornerstone right now. They have differentiation, yeah. and from what I've learned, low cost. It's not that expensive. They're they're getting good returns on the partnerships. They're getting good yeah. cuts. They're making back for the R and D that they spent timeless days and years into developing. Yeah. They're finally making a good return. And I mean, the current stock valuation, I do question. I don't know if it should be that high right now, but given the amount of partnerships that they're opening, the new accounts they're starting, it's making sense. And it's they have the intent. Uh, who was the CEO? I believe I read this around you know, a month ago. Uh, they, he stated that um, he does. They do. They do intend to go really target the price point of meat because right now it is uh, in retail price. It is more expensive than buying beef. Um, yeah. But they are trying to match it, if not obviously beat the price of beef. Um, so I mean, if they can do that, if they can win on a price point level, yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna see, we're gonna see Beyond Meat. I think fly out shells. I mean that so. that that's an amazing, 
a milestone to really strive for too because historically speaking when it comes to anything vegan vegetarian those will those typically are more expensive options yeah. even if it's by a dollar more expensive than your you know meat yeah. so this is right. a problem so I have with, with all that sort of stuff is that whenever you see a label like VMO, uh, uh, sorry GMO free gluten free vegan right. vegetarian I don't know organic it always comes with the price that's significantly more expensive than it's a premium for a trend it's always a premium yeah there's always a premium with these labels and beyond meat is the that label is it's it's meatless that's the label it's vegan it's vegetarian whatever it is yeah i don't know what they make it out of and i don't think they tell people it's soy it's it's a soy based protein sure but like it's there's there will in my opinion there is always this premium on this product you, I don't think you'll ever find this product actually cheaper or go down in price. Well, they might be able to make it cheaper for themselves, but I don't yeah. think you'll ever see their products become cheaper to the consumer. Well, that's true in mo- I'd say in all cases with exception to BYND. And the reason for that is if the CEO is openly saying, I'm, my goal is to make this cheaper than meat and to beat the meat price point, you know, no CEO... I mean, like let's take Elon Musk, for example, when he announced that he was going to sell his... Whole company go private and his stock can be worth four twenty and then boom. Yeah. What happened? Everyone was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And the stock price surged and oh my gosh! And then he gets sued by the SEC for artificially inflating his stock due to, uh, like quote unquote insider trading. Only because so, they never hit the price target. Right now, see, <laughs> knowing this, would another CEO make the exact same blunder in the exact same fashion, or would most CEOs kind of watch their tongue? I think, ideally, if they were smart, they would watch, watch their, tongue their tongue because they witnessed Elon Musk li- literally, physically lose a portion <laughs> of holdings in his company so that he could not maintain majority ownership. That is that is sad. That is not good, right? And you don't want that in a CEO. You want a CEO who's going to be competent. You want a CEO who's confident and can meet the, the promises that they stay out into the public, right? And I think that's why BYND here is the only one that I've actually heard go public and say, hey, we're going to try to beat the meat price label. Unlike other vegan, vegetarian, or whatever options, their goal isn't to beat the price point. Their goal is to feed off the trend. So I think that's why this is a different scenario. Because although they do meet the labels that you've described, they're the only ones who are openly venturing to defeat the price points from meat. And I mean, rationally speaking, from a consumer standpoint, that's great. I mean, even if it's not the thing you want to put on your table, anything protein-based can be incredibly expensive to buy. Low-income families could actually have an option for a protein alternative that isn't necessarily meat, but can yeah. still provide protein. It's you know, it's a great idea. I'm not going to deny that. A lot of people like it. It's a healthy alternative to meat. Like, there's a lot of good reasons why you would want to eat that. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Yeah, I, I remember you were talking about I don't that. actually even know all that many people who have gone out of their way to try it. I don't know. It just seems like a niche product or like it's a fad. And mm. although uh, you did mention that it's more of like a long-term thing like vegetarianism and, you know, a healthier lifestyle, a lot of people are trying to be more conscious of what, the, what it is that they put in their bodies. Right. I no longer think that, you know, m- maybe someone thought that all the organic foods were a fad. They're no longer a fad at this point. They right. become a staple in most households because they don't yep. want, you know, pesticides and chemicals and other things in their food. And that's totally understandable. But, uh, you know, the thing is, how long do people want something like this? Or 
Will it continue to remain a trend? Will this become a staple, or is it just like a, uh, you know, feeding off of a temporary trend? I mean, um, I mean, what you brought up was a good point with um, when it comes to uh, uh, like fads and trends. The idea of GMOs that that's actually a topic I love because, personally speaking, when when you actually look at GMO products, right? They taste the same. They're 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 the same thing. Yeah. And the fear was is that there were there were these skeptics out there who was saying that GMOs give you autism or GMOs make you sick or GMOs mess with your genetics. And you know, obviously people who don't actually know what GMO is or how GMOs are made don't understand what it is and therefore just takes it for face value and fears it. And I think that's where we got that trend of oh my god, I don't want GMO anymore. I want organic. It was feeding off of more of a health-based trend where it was a fear, right? A fear existed there. And I think that's why GMO-free stuff became so big and people wanted organic is because they were kind of in this weird world where they thought GMOs were horrible. And for those of you listening, you know, if you do believe GMOs are bad for you, I implore you to go out and actually do your own research and really learn what these do. GMOs are, are modified genetically, right? Your, gen, your genetic scheme cannot change. I mean, of course it can through like radiation and shit, but... These GMOs don't have like nuclear radiation in it. They don't have anything that can physically change your genetic scheme and your genetic makeup. The only reason why they're called genetically modified organisms is because the seeds were created in a certain fashion that can grow together in close quarters. For example, corn can grow, grow closer together, require less water, less pesticide, and are resilient to nature so that we can foster it. And because of GMOs, we've been able to increase agricultural exports to countries that need food, for example, parts of Africa that are impoverished, we can afford to actually just send them to food with an incredibly low rate of price exchange because we can so cheaply grow these items. And, and, and that's yeah. the thing, you know, that, that it's the fear. The, it's the fear of organic food is, is reintroducing the death of the world with... Uh, uh, oh, the rainforest and, and, and uh, everything in general. So growing organic food is... is not necessarily bad unless it's an extremely large scale right uh, which we need which we need, we need because yeah. of the overpopulated earth and uh, <laughs> yes. the reintroduction of organic food has actually begun to destroy and pollute and uh, the rate at which organic food is being produced is destroying the land faster than farmers are able to uh, basically reintroduce nutrients back into that land because it's not sustainable it's not you, you sustainable can't, you can't do it yeah uh gmo food doesn't require as many nutrients because again like you said you know it's modified to be able to you don't have to sit there and baby it it's a much stronger genetic plant than yeah. say an organic plant that's weak and sucks up all the nutrients out of the ground and right. once all the nutrients are sucked up out of the ground you you can't grow there anymore right unless you get i don't know unless you want to import soil which is incredibly expensive and time consuming and just not realistic in any sense uh, you uh it's not sustainable and yeah. uh, organic food is actually destroying society yeah and uh the same people who are um i guess attributed to um making organic food a trend are the same people who are attributed to uh seeking for a greener society that right. don't understand that one is impacting the other far more than they realize. 
and uh, that that kind of brings full circle back to beyond is that is it is it i don't know can can people continue to you know eat a product like this what are they making that out of they're right. trying to beat meat one of the largest uh huge huge the yeah. large like one of the largest industries in the world probably bigger than oil yeah. it, it's food everyone and their mothers and their fathers mm-hmm. everyone needs food everyone most yeah. people eat meat yeah. you're you're going up against well, the largest industry in the world we're supposed to get both we're supposed to get so both. You uh, need both. here's yeah. here's another thing that um is actually uh, an, uh two things actually two points i want to make First, uh, turns out Beyond does not use soy, um, oh. because soy, I believe, uses too much water. I thought um, it was like a synthetic uh, soy pea. base. I heard oh, otherwise. Oh, yeah, so peas. Um, oh, wow. And uh, another thing um, that yeah, so pea, canola oil, and potato starch. Uh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Another thing um, in terms of competing against meat. Uh, because Neo- Beyond Meat has been uh, been able to get into the actual meat sections of the grocery stores, they uh, got it. Yeah, no, they've been in there for oh, a while. Oh, right. okay. Um, I didn't. I thought they were still like. Oh no, no, no! They're they're in the meat section. If you wow. actually go to Ralph's right now and you go to the meat section there, or along with the ground beef, there's Beyond Meat right there. Just a side question: Would that be considered false advertising because it's technically not meat? Well, it's still a protein. But it but it's not meat. It's not meat. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, I'm not trying to say any lawsuits are going to come up because I highly doubt it. But like, I, I think that's kind of interesting, though. It's technically not meat in well, the meat I mean, section. Being sold in the meat section, it, it really depends on what it says on the packaging itself. Less about the grocery store and where they put it, and more about what's written on the box. Yeah. What if this like transforms the way grocery stores are organized? Instead of it being meats and your breads and your snacks and stuff, it goes from like proteins and carbs and veggies and th- that's how our supermarkets i mean that's you know, kind of already what it is it kind of but but i'm saying those would literally be the signs a lot and then, of like a sub sign would be like the specific relabeling category. right i yeah, don't know how much people really. think about this but a lot of effort goes into how grocery stores are oh yeah oh, absolutely of absolutely yeah do you know how much premium you pay to get the end shelf of oh, an aisle yeah, yeah. Thousand, you pay and some companies pay millions more just for that one you know how spot. much uh, Campbell's has to put in to have their own Campbell's soup section of a. Oh, that's right. They have their own. Store. No, oh, how much do they pay? It's they 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 put a lot of money in. Yeah, a, I'm sure it's a high bid yeah. for all groceries. Yeah, are you like it's? Uh, now uh, something I I want to mention actually. So apparently, um, and they've been in the meat section of the grocery store since uh, 2016. Oh, so yeah. this has been a long time. I yeah. did not know that. Um. Wow. Now apparently, Beyond Meat did a 26 uh, week study. Uh, uh, last spring, so mm-hmm. 2018, yeah. uh, and it showed that 93% of Kroger customers bought its burgers, also bought animal meat in the same period of time. So it's non-vegans or vegetarians that are buying their products in, in Kroger. I wonder if it's the kind so, of the same thing I went through where when you told me about this, I was like, oh my god, like now I want to go out of my way to get both and do like a control. You know, you have your control... Maybe. Base and then you have yeah. Well, I what I, what I'm interested in is this same sort of study repeated over uh, long yes. periods of time. Yeah. And uh, you know periodically coming back and checking because if this is sustained, then this is kind of proof that like 
this isn't just something that's targeting the more niche uh, consumers of, of vegans and vegetarians, of meat, uh, meatless eaters. It's targeting right. everyone. This yeah. is something where you can you add in to your rotation of proteins in your diet, yeah. you add in meatless options. You know what? And I liked how you said that too. You know, you didn't say we're trying to replace meat. You're just no, saying that you, there's a rotation yeah. in it. Which I think you is fantastic. You diversify your protein intake. It, exactly. And you know what? I think I think that's a very important thing to understand too. You know, not to disparage any vegetarians or vegans because, you know, honestly, your food lifestyle is your own to bear. Yeah. I've seen people in the army who have vegan diets and they're they're freaking buff as hell yeah. and, and, and so i mean ultimately it just comes down to your metabolism the way you can handle and intake the protein yeah. your food but at the end of the day people should understand that we are omnivores we we should have a balanced diet right for example some people uh with the whole vegan uh food diet some of them went beyond to the point of themselves and started doing that to their pets oh. which which became a huge 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 wow. issue for example, on, on, on The Daily Show, they had a woman come on there who was putting her dog on a, on a vegan diet. And on the show, um, there was, like, another person who was, like, the, the counter-argument, right? Yeah. And he said, if I put this bowl of dog food that has a mix of meat and the vegetable and the diet that the dog is supposed to have compared to your vegan dish, which do you think he's going to take? And she was like, I 100%. He's going to take my vegan dish. He's been eating it and loving it this whole time. So they said, okay, let's put it to the test. So they put the bowls down, they let the dog go, and the dog sniffs around the bowls, and in that split second, eats the meat. Or eats the dish that contains the meat. Sorry. I think I remember something about this. Wasn't the dog, like, incredibly sick? Very sick. It had health problems, which she um, said it was due to it trying to change its diet to a more healthier option. Uh, she was trying to rationalize it, which I think a lot of people Man, do try to ignorance do. ignorance is, is strong with this one. <laughs> it, it, it is. And, and I mean, for a human to become herbivoric and not have to take in meat is one thing because humans can adapt to a, an environment, right? And, yeah. and obviously, I'm not saying that we can, like, instantly take it and be like, oh, for sure, no meat. But I've seen people do it. And, yeah. and it's, it's doable. And, and you won't we can die. make our own choices. We can exactly. stop when we want to. Yeah, but like, for example, if you take a carnivore animal into your house, like like a dog, uh, which I would argue is slightly omnivore because, I mean, they do eat some berries and stuff that we mix yeah. into their, their diets. But even then, mostly carnivores because they do come from a canine species, you, you shouldn't force them into a vegan diet. It's well, they not also healthy. don't have any sort of choice and they can't stop when they want to. Yeah, and, and if anything... I feel very sorry for the animal because the animal, again, like you said, has no choice. So just has to eat it. Ba- back to the financial aspect of things. I'm looking at uh, the last couple. Uh, so um, looking at Beyond, I'm looking at their uh, quarterly reports over the last couple quarters, and mm-hmm. even though the revenue has increased significantly compared to uh, Q1 of 2018, where revenue was around 13, 14 million. Uh, we're looking at uh, Q1 of 2019 at around 40 million, and they continue to hemorrhage consistently the same amount. Uh, Q1 of 2019, they uh, reported a loss of about shows six or seven million dollars there. Same thing in Q4 last year, Q3, Q1. It's all they're all continuously, you know, negative, and so you know you. Wait, have, which which one is negative? You're saying uh, earnings. The the earnings. Yeah. And uh, from from what I'm finding, uh, this is just a you know brief overlook. Um, 
the average price targets are significantly below the current price, which is hugely overvalued. You know, I think one thing to take note of, though, so be it as it may that they are, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, yeah, they, they are definitely expanding the revenue, but it, it looks like their cash flow is still negative. But be it as it may be, their debt is pretty low. Their their current debt ratio is a four point two one, so even oh. if they're hemorrhaging, they they are covering their debt phenomenally. Okay, most businesses struggle to hit a one which means that they can cover all their debt in one go, full liquid. But if BYND were to go liquid right now, they would profit three point two one of what they're currently holding, and then of course one goes to pay for the debt. So I mean, even if that is the case, even if they're hemorrhaging. They have so much money to really hemorrhage through. And and to be to be odds are, the reason they're hemorrhaging is probably because more research and development, more marketing for penetration, more storefront options, more partnership reach outs, more deals and, and bids. That is gonna be the smarter option. They actually are just news came out recently, they are uh, developing a meatless bacon product. There there you so, have so I mean they're the hemorrhaging R&D. because the R and D is so high. And even then, you know, even if they're hemorrhaging they're covering their debt 4.21, which is phenomenal. I want to say something interesting, which mm-hmm. is this company shows to what lengths people will go to eat meat, but still keep up the front of not eating meat. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, it's... I'm a vegan, yeah. but I still want to eat a meat burger. So give me a Beyond Meat Burger. I feel like this this is supposed to be kind of a niche to help people who did transition oh, from man. meat living lifestyles two vegan and vegetarian lifestyles kind of revisit the day of old when they converted. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Why don't you just eat meat? Well, you know, it's it's one of those things like moral hazard and and the idea of ethics. People have different weights. So some people, for example, I have a coworker who's very ingrained to the idea of she does not like the concept of killing animals for food. I'm mentally face-palming really hard right now. Well, you you know, I, I mean... I guess I can kind of understand because for me, it, I get it. You know, it, I guess it's rough if you see a documentary and you see a bunch of animals getting butchered. I mean, it's obviously, it's not like you're going, yeah, that's fantastic. Like, obviously you're sitting there like, okay, that kind of sucks. For me personally, I'm like, it kind of sucks, but we got to do what we got to do to get meat. But some people might have a more empathetic personality that goes beyond that of just humans, but to the life around them. So, I mean, I can't necessarily say they're wrong to think that because an empathy like that can exist. I mean, people are very empathetic for materialistic things. Who's to say they can't be materi- uh, what's it, empathetic towards things that are living other than human, you know? And we're empathetic for our dogs. We don't eat dogs for a reason, right? Well. And, and I mean, it's not much. I mean, in Korea, you can eat, well, I'm not anymore, but I'm not obviously like your your chihuahuas and stuff, but like wild, <laughs> wild dogs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, you're not buying a husky or a, a lab off the streets and eating it. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting like a feral wolf or something. But even then, you know, at the end of the day, I get it. You, you empathize. And I you get the empathy, really but it, I mean, you know? uh, I don't know. It's, uh, like it's, it's just the natural order of things. Like, you know, you need meat to survive in general. The carnivores, eat meat you're not going to yeah. look at something happening in the wild say i don't know you're you're watching some documentary and you see a lion chase down a zebra and it hits the prey and starts you know feeding the family right you're not right. going to think no. oh poor zebra or oh oh man screw that lion it, it's it's nature you know that's yeah. it's part of nature 
I guess the real problem is the fact that there's so many of us, so many people, that turning food into an industry and you know it, it has become an issue for some people the way things get treated but like the just the the lengths that people go to avoid or to change but like they're still ultimately uh and, and innately looking for the same thing no matter what they say i mean i will say this i, I hand it to them because honestly i can't do a diet like that so, I mean, if anything, even though I may not think the diet's very wise to go on or maybe the healthiest of options, because many nutritionists do say you should have a balanced diet, obviously we consume too much meat, which is the biggest issue. But, you know, if we were to reduce meat consumption and uh, in return take in a bit more vegetables, which is what many Americans lack in our everyday diet, you know, I think that would be the solution rather than just full-blown I'm not going to eat meat for those who are doing it for dietary reasons rather than ethical or moral reasons. Okay. You know. So get this. So now think about it this way: the, the company yeah. has a lot of deals going on. They have a lot of good cash flow, whatever it is. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And they're making a lot of new partnerships, and they're expanding in all different horizons. You know, meatless bacon, great. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how many of you are actually going to go out and buy this stuff? Well, I mean, upon the first launch of the bacon, I'm I'm not I don't like bacon personally. I, I don't. I know it's very un-American me, me to say that. I know the American flag is just uh, frowned upon me, but half mast. You know, I I don't. I, yeah, it's a half mast, a fallen fallen American. But I don't really like bacon. But when this release or release is, I'm probably gonna go out and buy it just to try it. And once. I think I, once. once once you're right, it's gonna be once. But there's gonna be people who buy it, try it, and like it. Yeah. Who will in return like like Sarka said, which was fantastic, buy both the beyond meat version and the regular meat version right because now you have an alternative more variety yeah. the idea that now you have more options some consumers like, just consume variety for the sake of wanting variety and not even for the flavor or taste but just the sake of saying i have I don't know. an additional product this or looks, this even, looks even like if they can get certain uh flavors uh, so one of the uh, one of the things I've actually been recently doing, uh, gotten back into uh, counting my calories and going to the gym. Oh, good for people... you, man! I am, <laughs> I am long past that. Well, a lot of people are really concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are really concerned about their health nowadays. Um, uh, and there's more information than ever available. Shit, I'm gonna die. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I well, know. there's more information now. Uh, than ever uh, out there like available for people to learn about how you know what what macronutrients you need to consume and how, yeah you know how many calories Wait, per day and all that are you saying people weren't concerned about their health before they just weren't i don't, I don't think they that have information wasn't accessible to them yeah as it is today today like, you like can literally fitbit. download an app or wear a fitbit dude my fitbit counts how many hours i sleep at night and yeah. my patterns which honestly i don't really care much about but it's cool you know i get to look at it it's you cool. wear it in your sleep I do. Yeah, yeah i did want well, yeah it's comfortable yeah it yeah. is yeah i mean uh as long as i don't like put my face on it like this <laughs> because i put my hand under my pillow and then like lean on it it's oh, good i couldn't do that but uh I'll, I'll be honest though when i first started wearing it, it was a little uncomfortable i'll be honest but sorry i digress yeah fitbits no, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah sorry, go on. Uh, but you know um in terms of nutrition, if you can uh, give alternatives to things like uh, ground beef patties or bacon that are uh, let, uh, lower in calories and lower in uh, amounts of fat, but can still sort of deliver that similar um, 
a savory flavor or even just a different flavor yeah. than from the same uh, chicken turkey uh, routine right, <laughs> that, right. I'm, uh, that I'm typically on on most days, then... You know, I'd be willing. Uh, I would be willing to jump on that and yeah. add that into my rotation of foods, and I believe a lot of people would, uh, in similar situations, would do the same, just yeah. to kind of again give uh, add that kind of diversity into their diet, right? And break up the monotony of samey foods and samey flavors every day. Now, let me pitch you this. Let, let me pitch you an idea, right? What if uh, you know restaurants that serve, let's just say, like a bacon cheeseburger? Right, you have your bacon, you have your hamburger. What if one day, without telling all the customers, they were like, you know what, all of our bacon will be plant-based bacon, and they don't, they don't tell their customers, right? The, I mean, of the, course, of course, they put it, they would put it in the menu, illegal. they would put it in the menu, but but they don't market it, they don't. That's what I mean, they don't oh, market okay, okay. it. But obviously, it's on the menu. It's not like they're hiding it, but it's so, on the menu. False okay. advertising. Yeah, no, oh yeah, they would, they would get into a big loss. If so, if someone's allergic to peas and then suddenly eats it's a pea bacon dies, yeah. <laughs> sorry, do you know anyone allergic over. to bacon? Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, bullshit. I mean, there's halal though. There's also that. Yeah, there's a lot of halal, but but let's just say they do something like that, right? Halal and kosher. I and, and kosher, right? Yeah, they do something like that. How interesting would it be to see that type of market study, that kind of case oh. study? Because if see, they do, people... if they don't market it, people might be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go for it." You know, I mean, let's be honest. When we look at like the pictures of food, sometimes we don't read like what's in it. We're just yeah. like, "Wow, that picture looks really good. I'm gonna buy it." You get it and you enjoy it. You're like, I don't know what's in this, but damn, it's tasty. What if someone did that, right, with this burger, eats it, and is like, wow, that was really tasty, and then learns, oh my god, this was meatless meatless bacon, yeah. but it tasted exactly like bacon. I feel like a trend like that, and, and yes, I, you know, I say trend because this inevitably would become a trend at that point, would become like, oh my gosh, I want to try this synthetic bacon, but it tastes like bacon. You know, you know? There are real restaurants where you go and you dine completely in the dark. There's no lights. And no way, what? Yeah, you oh, die yeah, completely in the dark. Basically, a, a waiter or waitress will come up to you, they'll grab you, and they'll lead you to your table, they'll sit you down, <laughs> and then they'll ask you about your dining preferences. If you have any allergies to certain foods, what you prefer, that sort of thing. And then uh, they'll tell the chefs, basically, your preferences, and the chefs will go and prepare something specifically for you. And the concept is that uh, when you're dining in the dark, you can't see what it is that you're eating, so your entire... Sense is senses are based off of uh, touch, so texture, uh, taste, and smell. Shut and, up. And uh, it heightens your sentences. And the cool thing about that is that your like, sentences. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> your sorry. senses. <laughs> your You've senses really are literate. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a very interesting experience because you have no idea what the hell it is that you're about to eat. Yeah. How right. do you use a fork and a knife? You end up mostly just grabbing it with your hands and shoving it in your mouth, and you know, <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that kind of sucks. That tastes weird. That right, has a strange right. Texture. That kind of marketing, people like you don't necessarily have to see everything with your eyes. You know. Right. Yeah. Maybe you heard the sizzling of a plate that just walked by you and it was like fajitas or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you smelled something delicious and you're like, that I want that. You know, there's a lot of other things than just hearing that it's meatless i want to know that it's good texture too i want to know that it you know actually tastes good is right you know, uh, i heard like they make it with like really bizarre vegetables like jackfruit or something i, I don't even know what the heck goes into this stuff yeah. pea based sure but they're not giving you the entire formula they're not going to do that that's like their you're, you're right you're right it's yeah. like asking what's inside of coca-cola they're not going to give you the recipe right they don't want you to replicate it they don't want new competitors you know i 
and and well, you know, McDonald's. That oh well, dude. Mc, I feel like, like anyone a, can. Well, then that, actually, well, that's Coca-Cola, a different story. Coca-Cola makes a specialized version for McDonald's. They do. Yeah. What? They do. Yeah. They you they create a specialized syrup that is only used in McDonald's. Shut up! No, what? Yeah, that's why. What yeah. is different Coca-Cola about it? They just know. say it's different. Don't know. Don't know. It's just different. Ten bucks says this is just a marketing scheme between Coke and McDonald's. Taste it. Opening. It. Taste it. it. It tastes different. You're, yeah. You've literally. I've literally drank the it difference. next to like a Coca-Cola mm-hmm. bottle, and they're different. It's different. Well, so first of all, the what? Coke that you get out of a fountain is already yeah. different from the Coke you get out of a bottle. And that's okay, already different yeah, from the yeah, Coke yeah. you get out of a can. You're, what? And that's also different from the Coke you get out of the glass bottles. The plastic bottles... Yeah. Well, the glass has sugar. It's real sugar, isn't the it? The glass yeah. ones... Here Mexican we call them Mexican Cokes. Yeah, because Mexican. they're made in Mexico because they're made with cane sugar instead of corn syrup. Yeah. Yes. That's a different story. But the plastic bottles are supposedly slightly different from the um, metal cans just because of the way that it's stored. So they alter the formula ever so slightly so that it's hmm. stored at, you know... Optimum, uh, it, it keeps its taste. The, but the, the inside best. of the can is plastic lined. It's how, not how the is same plastic. From my understanding, it's not the same plastic that's used in It's bottles. true. Yeah, it's like a yeah. thinner, meshier uh, plastic. I don't, actually, I don't exactly know how it's different or what it is, but it's just like a thin lining. Ultimately, it's it's a little bit different. It is. I am. Uh, I, I mean, kudos to you guys to look that shit up or know that fun <laughs> fact because I had no idea. I'm pretty sure anyone listening is like, what the fuck? And Ten Bucks <laughs> says everyone at home is going to be like, I'm going to go to McDonald's right now and give that freaking Coca-Cola a go. Go to the store, grab a Coke, compare it to the one you get out of the fountain of McDonald's. It's not the same. If anyone from McDonald's listens to this, they need to know that we literally well, just marketed for them. Just in I general, fountain Coke water. is different. <laughs> well, in general, fountain Coke is different because it's mixed right then and there. It right. comes as a syrup, which is separate from the soda water. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Whereas yeah. you can, it's already pre-mixed. So, I mean, that already is, is different. But, yeah. like... Yeah, the the formula specifically for McDonald's is I no I didn't know the I have no fucking clue what it is but you know I've tasted it I can tell you it's different I Dude, don't know how or why or what you have mind blown me <laughs> and the people listening okay I am honestly sitting here like what the fuck I am very very tempted I have to drive home after this I'm very tempted <laughs> to go down the street. Drive through McDonald's to just get a small freaking Coke and just to tie it. That, hey, that's it's too bad McDonald's doesn't have uh, Beyond Meat burgers and you'd stop and grab one of those too, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I tried it at Carl's Jr. It was good. But maybe... Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. I, I also tried Del Taco's uh, Beyond Meat tacos. Mm. Those were also good. I could hardly tell. The only way you could tell is the texture is a little different. Like like when... For me, I like I, I chew it, I swallow, and then I chew it like kind of on my front teeth, yeah, just to kind of feel the texture because it was a new meat. I wanted to see how it would it would react. It does have a bit of like this odd chew and like like a very 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 fine graininess, which I feel like probably comes from the peas or whatever yeah. beans and shit they mix. Other than that, though, if you weren't like consciously thinking about it and you ate it and you had no idea it was beyond meat, you would not be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I uh, I tried out Beyond Meat at home. I went to Ralph's and bought it and grilled it at home. Um, while the texture, again, I, I did find that uh, same thing with the kind of grittiness. Yeah. The texture wasn't quite there. Uh, the flavor, while not exactly meaty, did have a very savory flavor. Yeah. Which I had not experienced in any sort of veggie burger or any sort of veggie patty or anything like that in any sort of comparison. Yeah. It had that specific 
savory meat quality that was really quite interesting and different from anything I've had. You know what? There should be a special next week. Or, sorry, in two weeks. We need to get Peter a Del Taco taco. Oh, yeah. The meatless taco. Or the, the, the plant-based oh, taco. Blind test. And blind test. Yes. You want to... Blind test. You, should we do this in the episode next oh, week? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I that would be amazing. I'd be down. You know Ooh, let's okay. Give, let's give it a try. But but you know what? Hold on, hold on. Let's be double blinds. Let's make this double blind. Double oh, blind. grab a burger and then a regular one and just and yeah, then make me so make so you we guess. we can send someone else to get it and drop it off and Ooh. unwrap it for us and none of us will know and we're gonna watch you. We have no idea. That way our facial reactions don't have you change your mind or something. <laughs> like that. So we won't even okay. know. It'll be double blind. We, right. go, we gotta we gotta set this up. This is missing. amazing. <laughs> Count me in. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so next episode, everyone, this is what we're no, going to do. I, I have a question. Is uh, I'm not sure if I actually talked about it here or not. Is um, Did you know that at Jack in the Box, their tacos aren't meat? What? Is It's only partially meat, correct? No. no. There is no meat in the tacos at Jack in the Box. What? You are about to honestly ruin... So it's not like you're Taco Bell. They don't advertise them as beef tacos. They just sell them as tacos. It's soy. Motherfucker, you're absolutely right. Really? No, that he's right. On the menu, it not one word says beef taco. It's just it's taco. one taco. Dude, oh my freaking god! What? <laughs> you guys are ruining some of these meals for me. And, and I mean, I'm still gonna eat it and enjoy it, but now though. I know. <laughs> I will say this though: I really like those tacos, and I knew it wasn't meat all along, and I've continued eating them. I have no problem with soy. That's fine. It tastes exactly like meat. It does taste very meaty, actually. That's, that's not beyond meat, though. It's no. Jack in the Boxes, soy, whatever. So it it's not like uh, uh, Taco Bell, where it's uh, some meat and then filler. It's just soy, completely. I, I feel it's like not it's partially be- meat, no. I, I wow. feel like at some point, it's probably because they get all this like beef flavoring that like enhance- enhances the soy. And you're like, wow, this tastes like beef, and I have no idea. And then you just mind blow me today, and I'm like, wow, I've been eating soy this whole time. Maybe I should have gotten, I shouldn't have told you. Just bring tacos yeah. along as a palate cleanser. Double blind. <laughs> That's not meat either. Exactly. Jeez. See, you know what? Now we're going to have, like, food here, and then you guys are going to be like, oh, that's not me, and I'm going to be freaking shitting my pants because I have no idea. <laughs> Next week on Financial Decapitation, what cheese are we eating today? That's not cheese anymore. anymore. Oh, my God. I swear to God, if you guys ever, ever bring vegan cheese with our wine, I will personally smack you across the face. I have had it once, and it is the most revolting thing. I'm sorry if anyone out there actually likes it, but it is disgust, honestly, disgusting. From what I understand, they make it a lot from nuts. Correct. Uh, That's probably why it's. I like peanuts. Uh, I like those. But dude, the texture is off. It ooh. tastes like someone got my standard craft freaking cheddar cheese, ooh. threw it on the floor, stepped on it a couple times, spit in it, pissed on it, mixed <laughs> it up, rebranded it, and was like, "Here you go, <laughs> enjoy." <laughs> It was really great. I'm not even over It was really a just distasteful flavor in my mouth. It was it was awful. Wow. I do not encourage you to try it. Actually, I do. In front of me so I can watch you. It's disgusting. Vomit and oh, projectile it's, it's vomit everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It is really gross. And again, I don't want to insult anyone listening, but that's just me. I had it, and it just was not delicious. Yeah, I, I, I 110% agree. I, do you have, <laughs> have you had it? Or? Uh, it's the... 
Yeah. It just, it's weird, it's right? It's awful. Oh, God. It just... Taste. I just... I cannot stress it enough. The taste. If you're lactose intolerant Ugh. and you still want cheese and you have to deal with that, uh, I'm take a sorry. Lacto- take a lactose pill, man. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Like... I'm slightly lactose intolerant, and I, I eat cheese, and I'm like, you know what? This is going to kill me later, <laughs> but damn, this is good. That's all I say. Like, damn, this is good. It ruins my intestines. I'm on the toilet for freaking three hours, dying, but you know what? I'm like, damn, that was some good cheese I had, and I am happy. You know, like, I would never replace my cheese with vegan cheese or, or an alternative. I swear to God, I would never. Now, uh, there is also something else that I... Um, kind of want to talk about or at least kind of mention to the group something a stock that I mean we are an IPO kind of just <laughs> madness yeah um, we talked about that in like episode one and two yeah so um, a company that I've I've personally I've used this app before uh, you guys might know Zoom that's what it was I remember you mentioning this yeah. in the group I, Zoom that's right. uh, they uh, had an IPO in uh, April um, opening price was uh, thirty six dollars uh, for the opening for the IPO. Where, where now it's uh, ninety seven dollars and forty two cents. God damn, dude! Yeah. Um, wow. This yeah. I hate hearing that because the hindsight just kicks you in the ball <laughs> so hard. Oh my god! Can you imagine throwing like five thousand dollars at that? Yeah. Like well, just yeah, the, just yeah. the amount of freaking return you would get. And you have no idea, but like you're just like here's five thousand dollars. There you go. And then, well, listen, we're talking about Beyond. Beyond's IPO wasn't that long ago. Oh, what did they open it? That, forty, right? No, no, it was like forty was, bucks or thirty bucks. No, less, 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 less. It was less. less? No, it was less. Like it was twenty-five. Oh my god! It was twenty-five. It's currently tracking at two thirty-five. And right, yeah, no, 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 no. What was it? Twenty-five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two hundred thirty-five dollars. Can you imagine? Wow. Two thirty-five actually. Wait, that's actually higher than. Oh wait, no, never mind, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I, hindsight twenty twenty. I know, it's a, it's, it's yeah. honestly and for those of you out there who who do actively invest or like learning how to invest, like this is gonna be your life whenever you look at your stock and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, I fucked up. Like that that was my reaction with Fitbit and uh, GoPro. I thought GoPro was gonna be fan, just fantastic because camera oh. technology they would get acquired and I would like sell out perfect. No, I got kicked in the balls. Got kicked in the so, balls. Yeah. I will say one thing, though, is when it comes to investing, Damn. I wouldn't dwell on the past. I wouldn't dwell on things that you could have made money on because, it's it, simply put, you didn't make money on it. Aim yeah. and focus on the next thing you can make money on rather than, shit, if I invested this at this time and did this then, then I would have been a millionaire and telling stories of you know how you could have made money. I, yeah, it's a waste can't. of time and it's wasted effort. Uh, I wouldn't. It's I'm a mind killer to constantly dwell on like, oh, I could have made this move and that, and I could have made money here. It really is. Yeah, it, it hurts yeah. you mentally, and you yeah. eventually give up. You're like, shit, I keep missing all the good scores. This, this yeah. is this yeah. is yeah. my key cornerstone advice for anyone, because I know I, I I hope many of you who are listening are honestly considering investments, even if you're not doing it yourself, but going to uh, a a fund. Or going to, um, you know, even your basic retirement, you know. You, you want to understand how it works. But don't be emotional. Do not be connected to what you buy. Follow it. Track it. If you sell it for a loss, you, you wipe that tear off your eye and when, as you shed it and you move on. Because that is how you ultimately build that cushion for you in your retirement. That's how you save up for your 10-year goal on buying a house, 
You have to take the risks. And like anything risky, you will lose money. It is guaranteed you will. Not one investor has ever walked away without losing money. Even Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett has plenty of accounts where he said, I threw $200,000 at this thing. I thought it was going to be fantastic. I lost half of it. It happens. You said don't be emotional. It's interesting because the market is a very emotional place. Absolutely. Remember, we talked about it in episode three and partially on on two. For you, you know, me and Sarkis, I feel like Sarkis is a good 50-50. For me, I am almost always technical analysis. I'm still trying to learn how to do fundamental. Yeah. And you are pretty much all fundamental. Yeah. And the thing is. Opposite ends of the spectrum here. Exactly. And it's a good mix because when it comes to stocks, I will, I will gladly give it to you and all the other fundamental analyzers out there stocks are like 70 percent fundamentals because of the emotional aspect yeah. the investors get scared in 2008 when everything was selling out everyone was selling everyone everyone's like my neighbor's selling my mom's selling my dad's selling my dog is selling i'm selling like <laughs> dude it, it was the time to sell and there were people who held and walked away okay yeah yeah in if not okay better Honestly, if you're not in real estate, of course, real estate all, all got tanked. But <laughs> but other than that, like like people succeeded even in the darkest of times. And it just goes to show, don't get emotional. If you see everyone selling, sometimes it's a good time to buy. Sometimes. Now, I'm not saying all the time. Don't don't quote me. But sometimes it's a good time to buy. Do, do your analysis first, yeah. Yes, do, do your analysis first. No don't be like, it's down, <laughs> I'm just going to buy. But like in 2008, if people picked up on like telecommunication companies and picked up on... IP, uh, IPSs and picked up on captives for like video game and those types of industries dude you, you would be floating in cash right now floating so especially with the dividend payout too speaking of telecommunication uh, I, I, I might actually segue into uh, uh, another topic I wanted to cover and this is news that we all discussed earlier which was uh, uh, the five billion dollar fine on on Facebook and their uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, all the uh <laughs> privacy concerns and Bro. the new regulations that will be put in to make sure that uh, that uh, Facebook doesn't go around selling your personal data all over again everywhere. And, Dude, yeah. $5 billion, that yeah. is a heavy oof. fine. Big oof. Big oof, dude. Big oof. Yeah. Apple spent a fifth of that acquiring Intel's entire <laughs> modem sector. Yeah. <laughs> and Facebook... Paid five times that, and Facebook is just yeah. throwing it away because they're trying to make a few extra bucks on the side. Yeah, this God. all tied into their whole uh, Cambridge Analytica allowing them to basically them and other companies to basically harvest data uh, without consumers' knowledge, and not only do or, they or even consumer approval or consent. Yeah, uh, and it will, which is yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Kind of important. Uh, so not only will they be getting that fine, but there will basically be uh, new uh, regulations and oversight uh, over Facebook and uh, their operations. You know, Google is paying people to take picture of your face, and you know they're gonna get your face anyways. But at least this way, you get five bucks out of it. Facebook uh, is just that sell- Google rewards? Uh, no, no, no. It's some some program they're doing where they're trying to collect data for. Um, uh, some facial recognition thing that's going on. That's freaky. And, but at least this way you get five bucks out of it. Facebook <laughs> is just selling your information behind your back. Google Rewards is actually a thing. Um, yeah, I, I use yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So Google basically asks you if you want to prompt into surveys. 
yeah. occasionally um, about like buying habits and that sort of stuff and when yeah. we go and visit. Yeah, where did you and, last visit? What did you buy? Yeah, and yeah. they'll pay out rewards for that. But that's at least asking for your consent. You can decline if you don't want to. What are the rewards? Dude, I got... Over the course of four years, I've gotten $55. Now, I know know some of you out there might be laughing like, oh my god, that's not a whole lot. But bear in mind, I got $55 to spend on the Play Store and do whatever the hell I wanted. I didn't spend $1 on Google for my own pocket. I only used my rewards. And you know what? They can get that information regardless, too. They, if, you, if you're using a Samsung phone that has Google and you're logged in, you have your location on, Google knows where you are. They're already collecting your data as I, it is. Yeah, you might as well get the 10 cents. I've been using this for about a month, month and a half so far. What? Was um, that when I when I told you about it? It might have been around when you told me about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, and a month, month and a half, and I've gotten $5.65. Yeah. Which... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, that's five bucks in a month, whatever. But that's like, use that in the Google Play Store. Basically, I just don't need to use any sort of credit card for the Play exactly. Store. Anytime I want to yeah. buy any sort of premium app or whatever, I can just use my rewards. I, I use them for in-game purchases. The, Same. Yeah. yeah. The $1 deals to get, like, the gems and shit this for is, those games. So, Facebook's fine is the largest fine in FTC history. See, I had wow. a feeling I read that somewhere, but I wasn't, I, I couldn't recall it. And yet, it's still only about a month's worth of revenue of Facebook. Well, I mean, they are—they <laughs> are everywhere, so yeah, that's no surprise. That's that's no small feat to accomplish, uh, and get find something of that. What's magnitude. their What's their DSCR though? Uh, let me look into it. No, this is I'm looking at an article oh, that talks oh, okay. about the fine. If anyone can pull up the DSCR, um, uh, I really want to see it. Would Robinhood pull that up? Yeah, the. Uh, Where would I find that? Robinhood. Uh, it it should. Uh, maybe in the financials. Um, yeah. So this article just yeah, talks yeah. about pretty much what know. you mentioned. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I I just realized DSCR. I'm sorry. I I say acronyms sometimes. I have to remember. I need to explain it. DSCR is called Debt Service Coverage Ratio, okay? And what it means is that when you have an X amount of debt, the interest rates and whatever, you want to make sure that you have a positive cash flow that can pay the interest rate X number of times, okay? Traditionally, companies will have like their DSCR be like 1.0 or higher, okay? 1.0 means that your revenue exactly pays any type of debt service, right? Interest rates, fees, that type of stuff. Now, bear in mind, obviously, you want it higher than 1.0 because 1.0 means that you are literally matching your debt. That's no good. You're not making money, right? You want it above 1.0. So most people do like 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. That way, you cover your debt and you retain earnings for the next cycle just in case you underperform or in the event that you want to reinvest. So that's what DSCR is, and that's what we were talking about a little earlier when I was talking about their uh, debt coverage uh, of um, BYND, Beyond uh, Beyond Meat. Um, they were at 4.21, which means their entire asset liquidable amount can beat that debt 4.21 times, right? So their DSCR per cycle is probably pretty high because they have a lot of retained earnings. Either that or they just have high capitalization that's sitting around. Now, also bear in mind a 4.21 is not necessarily good because it shows that they're retaining earnings that aren't necessarily cycling. But at the same time, it does show that they're conscious of the debt that they hold which I feel safe about because most companies are at like 0.68. Yeah. Which is fucking dangerous because then you get a 2008 scenario and then they're like, 
Well, if you're not a preferred stockholder, you're not getting shit. Catastrophe. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> so do you mind if I read a small section of this oh, article yeah, yeah. here? Yeah, go ahead. So this is from CNN talking about Facebook's fine, and so this is a direct quote. I'm just going to read it directly. Uh, the settlement resolves a formal complaint by the FTC alleging that Facebook used de- uh, deceptive disclosures and settings that eroded user privacy, violating a prior agreement Facebook signed with the commission in 2012. Facebook also broke the law the FTC alleged by misusing phone numbers attained for account security purposes to also target advertisements to its users. That's why I get all the fucking phone calls. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, the company allegedly deceived tens of millions of users by implying that a facial recognition feature on the service had not been enabled by default when in fact it had. Yeah, it's... uh, Five billion dollars is justified... But that's that's insane. You know what? I'll say this. Okay, I'll say this. Fantastic that they're getting fined by the government and the government's going to get a free $5 billion that they're going to, like, fucking waste on bullshit. That's great. That'll, that'll you know what, though? This is my question. Am I going to get a tax break from this? Oh, hell no. Am no. I going to get some... Because you know what? They broke all these laws? Absolutely. You're 100% correct. They wronged me. Okay? They wronged me. They wronged you. They wronged you. Where's our cut? There is no The government's collecting... There yeah. is no restitution. The only is that the agreement in, in the in the signing. It just says they pay five billion dollars. They're paying it to the government, and the government's never going to trickle down. I wonder. Down I us. wonder if we can get like a legal group or something. Uh, fucking going for us. This is a criminal case. If you want, oh, you can possibly case. try and get on board and make a uh, uh, a case that would, I don't know, ask for restitution, where you play civil the role case. of you. Bas- no. It's not a civil case. No. It's a criminal case because this is. Well, you could make it civil for some things. No, not no, not no, the no, law breaking no. offenses, but for the no. for the uh, what's it, it information sector dispenses. It, I think in a case like this, it would be a criminal case where you're playing the victim trying to get restitution. I mean, you can do that in civil. I did that in, in civil court. Like criminal, you have to be charged with a criminal crime. I'm saying, like, well, what so if you what, sued what them? Are the, what are the damages here? There has well, to be damages. Well, dude, you can always exasperate it. Like, oh my god, I got all these phone calls and you ate up my data. I had to pay more for that shit. You wasted my minutes. I got sure, that for here's you. Here's fifty bucks. <laughs> oh no, lawyers it's, are gonna go for it's way not more. Worth lawyers. than lawyer fees. Good luck, man. I mean, the lawyers can always get more though. You always hear about cases that are very minute. And you end up paying thousands of dollars all because the lawyer said that you had like psychological damage or long term effect. Dude, I mean, if you get the right lawyers, you get the right right payout. But I guess I'm with you. Yeah, you're right. We'd be suing for pennies at this many, point. I mean, considering how many people it affected, I don't think we would... Even if they were to dispense that $5 billion as like a tax payout, um, how would they distinguish who gets it? And dispensing amount yeah. among the amount of people affected, I mean, billions of people use Facebook. <sighs> Most of Americans yeah. have it. It would be like rough calculation $15 a person or some shit like that like that's really not yeah I guess that's true I just noticed something really interesting about this article is that somewhere closer to the end it closes with Facebook's stock was down slightly (laughs) that's that's an understatement It, it just goes to show that even your most basic news outlets right will mention a little bit about stocks right so it shows, hey, everyone listening, right? This is relative. No, right? no, no. This is all relative. The key word I'm mentioning there is slightly. Oh, but there, there's going to be long-term damage. Oh, be long-term, for sure. Long-term. This is just a short-term effect. I, I, I would 
bet in maybe the coming months we'll see nice roller coaster effects. Well, so they're basically brushing off a $5 billion fine as a slight loss. Well, I mean, for them it might be slight, but I feel like it also garners investor worry and, and skepticism. Now you have investors in the pool who are like, yeah, you know, this might not end well. Hey, didn't two episodes we say to short Facebook? Or no, I mean, we're episode... dying Netflix. We're dying Netflix. Netflix. No, no, no. Either episode one or episode two. I said something about oh, shorting Facebook. Um, you might have. I remember saying I wasn't uh, long on Facebook. Yeah, I'm still on I'm... board for shorting Facebook. I, yeah, I was, I was I, on board with I not I still buying. think that Facebook, when, when the era of consolidations and mergers uh, ends and we start breaking up companies, Facebook is definitely going to be one of the companies on the chopping block. Yeah. I feel it will be broken up in the future. Well, so. fa- Facebook is definitely the face of that because they're doing so poorly. Because they've expanded into so many different things that they're struggling to do any one thing correctly or well. You have companies like Amazon that are doing everything very well, and no one really wants to break them up just yet. But everyone is complaining mm. about Facebook, who's you know selling your privacy and leaving your passwords in plain text files on a computer somewhere connected to the internet, not really securing it or encrypting it. Everyone's worried about Facebook. No one's worried about Amazon. Amazon's a trillion dollar company now, and you know. Oh, they hit the mark? Uh, not quite. I think they hit the mark quite some time ago, and then it dipped just below, and it's kind of still below. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 roughly, roughly out of trillion, give yeah. or take twenty billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I mean, no one is going around saying they got to break up Amazon. Is anyone really complaining about Amazon's prices, Amazon Basics, Amazon Grocery? Amazon's amazing delivery or uh, Amazon's cloud service, which is like uh, paying for 70% of the rest. Like, I think that's literally, uh, uh, what was it called? A AC, um, a ACS or something like that. Uh, literally it's paying for or subsidizing like 70% of the other businesses because most of Amazon's businesses are losing money and their cloud services make so much money at such a huge profit that they can afford to just hemorrhage money in most of the industries that they're venturing into. Well, you know, and, and that kind of ties back to, I believe it was episode two or three, where we were discussing how businesses can still function running a deficit, or like why a company would want to run a deficit. Yeah. And I think Amazon might be a pretty good example to running a deficit to build the consumer loyalty and consumer base so that in the long run, when you're releasing these new products and new designs and new outlets, you have people who are already so infatuated with your company that they're just like, oh, I guess this is a good deal. I mean, I'm buying shit for cheap. I guess Amazon Fresh must be cheap and convenient. And then well, do it. And so, they have Amazon yeah. books and video now. And it's in, been very popular. Yeah. In historic events in the past, when you see companies integrate like Amazon is doing, they would lower their prices so significantly that the competition would just die. I don't really think they're killing the competition, but like, they're they're everywhere, you know. It's uh, it's crazy to see how far they've expanded. They're not, I wouldn't call them, you know, I wouldn't compare it to say, uh, uh, steel companies in uh, Rockefeller from back in the eighteen hundreds. But you know, it, it's like, uh, it, it's not a far off comparison to see how they've they've integrated. Like it's it's uh, the the way that they're pushing the market though is is not sort of driving prices so low and selling everything for free they're not giving stuff away yeah you know amazon basics it's not like you just get free cables it's it's honestly the, the exact same shit that you buy from china for the same prices but now with amazon's name on it so uh, do like 
is is this the same thing where you're gonna see prices down the line increase and skyrocket and, and because they've built brand, brand trust or are they actually just trying to genuinely compete well with it, amazon it, i don't think so because they're at this point they've become such a high wholesale slash resale i mean a retail distributor it just it wouldn't make sense for them to do that at this point i mean they're so so deeply ingrained into many people and business lifestyle that for them to do that and risk completely destroying that ecosystem they built, I just don't think it's in their interest well, to do so it. So what's stopping them from just raising their prices because of all the brand loyalty and trust that they well, developed? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I think it's because if they do so, they destroy the ecosystem they built. You know, it's kind of like if a Apple... Really, really, though? I think so. I think so. I mean, we saw Netflix, right? Everyone, Netflix was a cornerstone thing before Hulu, before uh, Amazon Video, all this stuff. Netflix was a cornerstone, and when they remember before this price raise in the last year, they had another one. Remember, they rose it by like maybe three bucks, two bucks. It was yeah. a small raise. Yeah, people flipped the fuck out and were threatening to completely leave. And people did. People started unsubscribing and getting out. Yeah, they lost a good amount of business. Yes, and they lowered the price. They they thank godness, you know, regained their their customers. But see that net that ecosystem, that environment you build and you harbor. Even a $2 raise, people flip the fuck out. It just, it's shocking, but yeah, $2 made that big of a difference to most people, and it, they lost a lot, a big chunk. And Amazon you know, controls global uh, distribution. I mean, imagine if they rose their price just an eensy bit. Dude, people would flip out. I mean, I have Prime. I'd flip out if Prime went up, because Prime's yeah. already pretty pricey. Yeah. Prime is, yeah, about $12 a month. It's, or, or it's, you buy annually, it's annually 120 but that comes out to like oh, oh, no, $10 a month. The, uh, it was called yeah. Amazon Web Services or AWS. It's their yes. uh, cloud storage services and it's pretty much stuff. Uh, uh, no, that's used for, by a lot of companies. Yeah, it pays Great for company. everything. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is just a huge, huge conglomerate. It just... Uh, yeah, they, they honestly have so much they can do. I just really, really well, pray and hope that they go in the right direction. I, I'm a believer in like investing in the sciences and techs. Amazon has a lot of it. They're innovating a lot of new ways to distribute things, but I really hope that they, they push forward. They continue that innovation so that separates them. You know, How come no one is pushing to break apart Amazon because of a company of this magnitude? They're not vertically integrated. They're no threat. So they're horizontally integrating, but they're yeah. not knocking competition down. So pretty much there's other distribution channels like Costco. Well, yeah, it's like I said, but even yeah. so. They're not – that's the thing. Like by definition, they're not monopolistic. It's all it's an oligopoly at most because there's like maybe two other competitors, which would be like Costco and Sam's Club. Yeah. But even then, those are very limited wholesalers, and they don't do like retail of like smaller items. Well, so – but the problem is Amazon does everything. They literally do. Literally everything. They do. From selling groceries to making tech to Kindles and the, the Fire or uh, selling tablets to the, you know, cloud storage and uh, web services to shipping products and delivering them and trying to do their own delivery and, yeah. you know, sending things to your house in a but, day to but the thing investing is... in, like, drones and all this new tech and, like... Where, where does it stop? But the thing is, they haven't cornered and completely con conquered a lot of those markets. Yeah, they may be delivering their own things, but 
I, I don't see them putting UPS out of business anytime soon. No. Uh, same yeah. same thing with, yeah, they might have gone to the grocery game store or by acquiring Whole Foods, but they're not going to put Walmart out of business anytime soon. Hey, man, is, is Amazon trying to start their own country? <laughs> you so, know what? They probably could. Now that I'm thinking about it. Amazon has it. enough services and enough of everything that they could just be self-supportive. I mean... I mean, uh, this is this is a little sidetracking, but if we do talk about like logistics, which I mean does have a good uh, topic related to finance. I mean, when you have strong logistics, you don't hemorrhage money because you're able to bring people and goods around quick. And at the end of the day, that's how you save money: is is you have people where they need, when they need to be, in the fastest way possible, and people can get their goods at the fastest way and the most convenient, so they can go home and consume those products quicker, right? I mean, let's think about L.A. logistics, okay, because we live in L.A. Bullshit, horrible, horrible infrastructure, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm that. stuck in traffic for three hours every time I go to Century City. Three hours. All every my time. friends who don't live in L.A. always complain about people who live in L.A. All they complain about is traffic. Yes. All oh, the L.A. traffic is so bad. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the craziest thing. Think about how much the city loses. Because people are more on the road than they are out consuming or at their job uh, workplace. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of hemorrhaging. And the city loses money. And that's the thing. You don't build good logistics. You don't build good distribution. You lose money. End of the end of the sentence. End, period. Done. I yeah, mean, we should also just start flying personal drones to work now. Dude, honestly, if we can stop using cars and, and, and Tesla's like, you know what? Enough with the wheels. Let's fly in the air. Dude. Just turn the wheels oh, sideways, man. Produce them oh for us. Oh, my God. Yes. Completely down. So people, I can, I'd be great for that. People yeah. can barely drive as it is. Oh, God. By, Do by, flying cars? Yeah, by turning like... a, transportation, a transportation network into a three-dimensional system, I feel like it only introduces... To small airplanes. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's just driving around yeah, like small bombs at that point. I don't know. Well, once well, what if once we you use... introduce a, a bit of automation to the yes, system, to the flight, exactly. yeah. and you, you reduce the amount of human control and human, uh, uh, tra uh, I guess, uh, traffic caused by human error, which is natural, yeah. then uh, you'll start to see an increase in like possibly other forms of transportation. That would Logistics would increase. Sick. That would be right. so freaking sick. I'm still and looking forward to Amazon finally using their drones to ship packages to my house. When is that going to start? One well, day. Uh, <laughs> whenever we get some of the regulations, regulations sorted out. Regulations there now. Uh, for drones. Yeah. Flying over residential. Regulation is, is Well, is just there. it just might not be fiscally wise at this point with regulations, depending on what those regulations are. In 2012, I made it a point that... Um, I was adamant that um, I heard Pizza Hut and Domino's and, and Amazon, those three companies specifically, were dumping a lot of money into developing and have already set up an armada of drones so that they could deliver pizzas and goods via drone. And huh. I haven't heard from them since. And I figured as soon as there was some sort of regulation, as soon as they figured out how to control it and how to run it, everything would be smooth. Because drones have been around for quite some time now. It's not a new technology in yeah. any means. Yeah, it's been around for a bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, what's happened? The logistics is there. Uh, I don't know why they haven't started. I mean, I yeah, so, I mean, sometimes operations just doesn't add up, but I think that's just something we got to probably read more into. 
look at the costs. I mean, there, there's a lot that can contribute to why a company doesn't do something. But That's actually interesting. I'll yeah. look into that, and maybe we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and if anyone listening has, you know, any input on that, that'd be fantastic because, uh, you know, we we also want to see what you guys think or if you guys have any knowledge that you can share. I mean, that'd be fantastic because we want to also learn from what you got and yeah, vice why, versa. Uh, why aren't they flying drones yet? What, what's going on here? I have a drone sitting right next to me. It's uh, uh, the um, uh, Mavic Pro by DJI, and that thing is awesome. It's uh, it's right there on. Oh, it's in a box. You can't see it, but oh. yeah, it, it unfolds and then you unfold the propellers. You connect your phone into the controller. Yeah, I've seen it. And yeah. it has yeah. a range of up to four miles. And I don't need. It has a FPV system where the camera's on the front and what it sees you see on your phone. There's even uh, goggles that track your head and you throw it on. And it's like a VR system where um, when you tilt and move your head, the camera tracks the the, the goggles track and the camera follows the movement of your head so you look down the camera looks down but it continues to fly so it's if you're flying on board I feel like you get a lot of motion sickness from something like no, that no no because really? it's flight it's not like you're personally moving around no i know but the flying. idea of being like so high up and you're looking no, down no not at all it's like really? uh, it's like so? a captain piloting a plane or you know, I, I could even relate it to like uh, using a flight simulator on your computer. Mm. I mean, you've it's seen those same. people who like walk the plank in VR and then they fucking like actually fall over. Mm-hmm. Like... I wouldn't say I quite experienced that. This was more yeah. just like uh, I can see that I'm flying a plane because you still yeah. have your heads up display, you have your artificial horizon, battery, power, speed, temperature, oh, you yeah. know, all these sort of things. So it's a really cool tech. I played around with it a lot, but I mean, like, if I can do this at home. They can deliver my packages. My my drone can carry a, a, my drone can carry a beer. So why can't you bring a box? You of tried like, that? Con- yeah. Nice. So why nice. can't they bring me? I don't know, like some, I don't know, solid state storage for my computer. I'm trying to buy you know a thing, ship it to my house via drone. Why send a freaking truck to the front of my house when you could you know drop it off in like 20 minutes? Well. These are all really good questions. Yeah, that is a yeah good let's question. let's discuss this next week. Let's save this for next time. Yeah, uh, let, yeah. Let's let's actually look into some of that and uh, kind of revisit it next week. That'd be a good um, analysis. And that would kind of be the wrap up for uh, episode four. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, if you have any uh, anything you want to contribute, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, feel free to also contact us uh, through our subreddit. Uh, financial decapitation um, also uh, you can reach out through Instagram Twitter uh, yeah we've been posting a lot of interesting articles on that reddit I highly recommend checking it out and posting to it yourselves and, and uh, yeah yeah and I mean short parting wisdom that I was I was thinking about driving to work today I'm listening to all these commercials on the radio saying uh, you know, uh, you know, Indeed and all these like help to search for worker type stuff. The market's really good right now. If anyone out there is like looking for work, and and you're not really getting into that job, you know, keep trying. Get out there. I was just thinking about it. companies are struggling to get workers, so this is a good time. Enjoy it. Get out investing. Get out working. Be a part of the system. Be a part of capitalism. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, all right. well, that's it for this week. That's it for now. See you next week, guys. See ya. Oh man, that sushi isn't sitting all that well.